Hello, everyone. My name is Sarah Iris Fox, and I want to extend a warm welcome to the Rough Edges podcast. Rough Edges exists to provide mental health education as well as faith-based messages in order to inspire growth and foster healing. In this podcast, I will guide you through my faith and mental health journey to dispel the stigma surrounding mental illness and to create a voice for those who wish to discover more about these topics. My hope is that this podcast will not only shed light on mental health issues, but will also reveal the intersection between faith and mental illness in order to bring growth and healing in our communities. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Rough Edges. We are continuing season three, all about mental health and relationships. And today I have a very special guest with me, Miss Biba Babatunde Ikotun. Bibi Babatunde Ikotun is a minister of the gospel. She is all about sharing the good news to every man, woman, and child. The good news is God is not angry with you. She is passionate about helping believers grow in their full identity in Christ and come into a deeper revelation of God's love for them. She is the covenant of Beautifully Rooted in Christ Conference, an annual conference targeted at women to help them deepen their roots in Christ and bring glory to God. She is also the covenant of GLOW, which stands for Gracious, Loving, and Outstanding Women, which is a community for Christian women living in North America. When she is not sharing the gospel, she is fundraising for a charity that helps to relieve and prevent hunger in Canada. She is happily married to her husband, Pastor Ikatun, and he is the pastor of Standpoint Church in Canada, where they both serve God and his children. Thank you for joining me, Bibi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so delighted and excited to be here. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining. And so I want to get to know you a little bit more. So what are three things that you're most passionate about and why? Ooh, that's a very good question. I think the first thing that I'm very passionate about um, is Jesus Christ, right? My faith in Christ. And why am I so passionate about it? I think it's such a beautiful thing um, to be saved, right? And our God really loves the world, right? The best of the world, the worst of the world, everybody. And he chose to do something about that, right? He showed us how, how much he loved us that he um, lays life down. So anybody, right, whether you're black or you're white or you're like wherever you, whatever religion you were born into, whatever nationality, like if you believe in him, you're saved. Like it's that simple, just it's by faith. So I'm very passionate about that message because I've seen how um, a sense of religion has best a lot of things where a lot of people feel like they have to be something for God to accept them and the Bible doesn't say that the Bible says come come as you are right my love is enough I would accept you so I'm really passionate about that the other thing I'm passionate about is um food right I cook a lot of food on um, and I post a lot on of my cooking I think I do more cooking on my TikTok than my Instagram because my Instagram is mostly on my YouTube content and ministry and things like that. But if you find me on TikTok, it's most likely because of food. <laughs> right? I'm passionate 
about food i think it's such a beautiful gift right it brings people together you connect over food with friends and laugh like when food is in a picture nothing can go wrong right yep. so I'm, I'm really passionate about food and i think the last thing i would say um i'm passionate about is really relationships right i i believe i'm one of those people that strongly believe that god put people in our lives for a certain reason mm. and if we understand and see how precious relationships are and i'm not even saying like romantic relationships i'm saying friendships i'm saying family i'm saying your cousins right having that mindset of knowing how to cherish and steward this relationship and i know the world is all about taking taking what can you give to me how can you benefit from me but also thinking of it as how can i give to you how can i make your life better how can i invest into you like i want to learn more about you and be able to do things that are thoughtful and things that make you feel warm and fuzzy like oh someone actually cares because at the end of the day what god really wants to do to the world is to love people through us and um so yeah to those three things i'm passionate about my faith food and building wholesome beautiful relationship with people Oh, wow. I love that, BB. And honestly, all three of them coincide with me as well. Like, (laughs) I love my faith. I'm very passionate about the gospel and sharing that and really putting a mental health element into it, too. And then I love food. I'm a foodie as well. And I love trying different foods over. I'm from New York. So I like going to like different restaurants in New York and like discovering different like foods that I've never tried before. So that's really fun. And relationships is another big one that I really strive to you know just share with people and just talk about them so thank you for that that was wonderful so since you are currently working in full-time ministry what is the most rewarding aspect of your work mm-hmm. um so actually um I, I think of it as more as by vocational because I work full-time and I do ministry full time. Okay. Sometimes when you are full ministry, full time ministry, they feel like I'm not working. So I'm a working professional as well. So I'm much more by vocational. And what is most rewarding aspect of this work is seeing the impact, mm. right? Seeing the growth in the people connected to me, seeing the growth in myself, seeing how I can look back three years I'd be like I'm not the person I used to be and yeah. I can't take credit for that right because it's what God is doing in me right. and also seeing God in people it's so rewarding that I can wake up one morning and be like when I first met this person they were like this right nobody's perfect we all have areas for growth in watching them even when they're struggling to break out of an old um, thought process on old routine and then coming into a new one right seeing someone that was possibly um fast to get angry but now the gospel has transformed them and they're now the patient one mm. it's uh, words can't even really articulate how 
like how much worn I I feel when I when I experience that. And I think it's it's just so rewarding because at the end of the day, ministry is all about people. Yeah, it's all about people, right? Service to people, service to God, and that that just makes me like it helps me keep going. Like when I feel as though it's hard, it's difficult, right? My mm-hmm. pick me up is open person look at how far they have come right look at how far they've grown in their knowledge of god's love right looking from someone that once thought god was angry with them but now they can stand in front of everyone and say i truly believe god loves me Mm. it's it's rewarding it's i can't even fully articulate how amazing that feeling is but i would say that's it for me for sure yeah wow i really love that because a lot of the times especially in ministry we try to look at the numbers we try to see like who's coming in droves to our conference and who's you know actually taking in the material but if we could focus on that one individual you know it could be that one person who walked away with something and took something away from it and it changed their life for the better like that as you said it is very rewarding and it's for the people you know so thank you so much for that so what made you want to work in ministry Excellent question. I would say for as long as I can remember, I've been actively involved in some type of ministry, right? For starters, I'm a pastor's kid, so I kind of like was brought up and raised in church and like ministry was just a part of it. Like service to people was was just a part. Like I haven't known anything else. Like my, one of my earliest memory of like actively being in ministry was possibly when I was maybe 13, 13, 14 years old. Um, I think I was in maybe middle school and I was actually a Sunday school teacher like I think we're kind of like what like, <laughs> what's, like that was imp- like I was I'm so impressed by that 13 year old girl yeah like, she wasn't perfect but her heart was in the right place so my dad has a ministry and for as long as I can remember have been actively involved in that right part of his ministry involves um working with widows right we would travel to small communities small villages and towns meeting with these women that have lost their husbands sharing the gospel of salvation with them right giving them hope i mean it's really hard like especially back home in nigeria to be um a single woman like taking care of children right the responsibilities are a lot so we help with like counseling help with like providing um even if it's like a stipend for like groceries or things like that just to really show that somebody cares and someone is um intentional about them and also we it also involved like prison ministry like this was from way back so when i was like really little right prison ministry we go to the prison share messages with them um like it's just just like that's all i've ever known like i don't think i have a reality of like not being involved in ministry which makes perfect sense leading me up onto this moment right now that i co-pastor a church with my husband here in the greater toronto area and that's just that's just it 
Wow. I, I really love that. And the fact that you were a Sunday school teacher at like 13, like mm-hmm. it's just like you were born into ministry. And so that's like a really cool element of like your testimony and who you are in terms of like spreading the gospel with others. So that is really awesome. So we are in our third season at Rough Edges, and we're talking about mental health and relationships. So what are some characteristics do you think that are of a good relationship? Oh, that's, that's a good question. And um, I think many times we try to complicate it, but I would just go with one thing that kind of like answers everything, which is the fruit of the spirit. I mm. know many times when I say these, people feel like, oh, but I want to hear. And I'm like, no, because if we understand the fruit of the spirit, right, is mm-hmm. love. And love, if we see in the Bible in Romans 5, verse 5, it says, um, the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts through the giving of his spirit. So yeah. we have the love of God in our hearts. And now that means that we have the spirit of God, right? And when we have the spirit of God, we can express his fruit, right? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How does this tie to basic relationship, right? Number one, love. If we understand that we've received the ability to love like God loves, Mm -hmm. then we're unstoppable. Right. Mm-hmm. When you understand, I am not asking God for, oh God, help me to love, right? I'm going to the Bible and saying, oh, the Bible already says that God has put his love in my heart. When I believe the gospel and I receive the spirit, so now I can love people. So when I'm finding it hard to love my partner or my friends in my relationships, I go back to who I am, right? Being a child of God. And I allow that love. It's literally God wanting to love people through you. And most times it's just stepping out of the way and letting God do his thing, right? right. Joy. Joy is so important. Many times people want to get married and... Um, and they want to do it because they want to be happy, mm-hmm. right? Like, why do you want to get married? I want to get married because I want to be happy. I want someone to make me happy and all of that. So why do you outsource your happiness <laughs> when there's joy of the Holy Spirit? Mm. Right? So whether your partner makes you happy or not, don't let it significantly impact you to a point where you can't function. Mm. Your joy stems from the spirit of God, not from your partner yeah. or your friend. In fact, you can be in conflict, right? You might go through, I mean, because we're human beings, so partners, you don't necessarily think the same way, see life the same way and all that stuff. So you might be in a disagreement and choose that this wouldn't ruin my whole day. Just because they said they wanted French vanilla and you wanted cocoa coffee, right? <laughs> you, you won't let that ruin your old day because like, no, I have the joy of Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. Even when I'm in a conflicting place, I choose joy and I show up in joy. And um, I know this doesn't really apply to <clears throat> every culture, but in some cultures, right, we see that um men are predominantly wired to be providers so when they go through seasons of not having any money 
Mm. You would see in them, like you see it in their countenance, in their speech, in their they're mopping around the house. They can't even smile with their kids. Mm. Why? There's no money. It's like going back to what the Bible says: the joy of the Lord is my strength. Right? And mm-hmm. another thing, moving to peace. Peace is not necessarily the absence of trouble, it's the presence of God. Mm. In a situation, we see the story, right? When they were in the storm in the Bible. And um, Jesus Christ stepped in, and the storm ceased. Mm. So even in life, the Jesus said, "In this life, you have so many troubles, mm. but know that I have overcome the world." So peace too is understanding that peace is a is a reality in Christ. Every other thing, patience. A lot of people are shot in relationships because they're not patient. But allowing God be patient through you. So everything is with a those with kindness like there's so many things i hear that people do in relationships and i'm like what like that is not kind mm-hmm. right you have to be kind so it's 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 the characteristics of a good relationship that you're both kind to one another you're not just kind to yourselves but you're also kind to the wait staff you're kind yes. to people that don't have to like they don't have anything to offer you right we see a lot of times i, I tell young women in relationships like oh he took you out to a nice dinner he pulled out your chair for you he said all the right thing but how did he treat the wait staff right did he tip <laughs> right <laughs> was he shot while tra- driving in traffic these are other things to look at because someone that is only nice to you rather kind to you and not other people once you don't fit into their box of expectations yeah they would feel like those other people so are they kind are they good are they faithful yeah right faithfulness in everything that they do faithfulness in their beliefs yes right? are they seeing that i'm a child of god and you're seeing that evident in their conduct Mm. So those are things. So faithfulness even applies to one another, like loyalty. Not having that mindset of once things get bad, I'm out. Deuces, peace right. out, right? Right. But knowing that I am able to stay through thick and thin and all of that, like it's 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 so it's so beautiful. Like we we must just stay with that. We must just stay with this fruit of the spirit and not try to overcomplicate things not to overcome self-control like someone is getting on your last nerve do you know how to walk out of the room and say i'll be back later oh yeah right? i don't want to <laughs> something i don't want to do something that will damage what we share right or, like every see a lot of people don't like when i give this answer because they're like oh self like first of the spirit yada 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 but when you really break down this things they are things that make your relationships stronger mm. um they make it much more better and it also helps you grow like I, I i sometimes i look at my relationship with my husband and there are certain things that he does for me that just inspires me to do some things for him i'm like oh my god you're such a better person in this aspect i want to be a better person and that inspires me to be a better person so mm. yeah I can go on and on about this. 
Yes. No, honestly, I, I could hear more because it's just so amazing how they all intersect and they all connect with each other in terms of like the foundations for a relationship. Because it's true. I mean, you need the love. You need the joy. You need the peace, the patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all of that. You need everything. And especially self-control, because a lot of the times, you know, we're human and we make mistakes. And like you said, somebody is going to do something that's going to really get on your nerves and how do you handle that how do you create boundaries that will help you handle that you know so that was a really perfect answer (laughs) actually so that was really great and it also provides a perfect segue into what we're talking about today which is cancel culture now cancel culture is a form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles whether it be online social media or in person and those subject to this ostracism are said to have been canceled so in light of the definition of cancel culture bb i want to know what are your thoughts on cancel culture it's not biblical period yeah and <laughs> I know people come at it from different angles and um, try to justify it. But as yeah. a Christian, it's fair for Cindy from that perspective of Christ, right? Let's start from the woman caught in the act of adultery. Mm. By every standard, right? Every worldly standard, she ought to be cancelled. Mm. She did something that was morally wrong, right? The community frowned upon it. I mean, I have other questions. Where was the man? Like, there's some other questions. But right. <laughs> but if we want to be Christians in our word, in our action, we have to follow suit in the way Christ did. Mm. They were pointing fingers and uh, uh, oh, by the law, she ought to be stoned to death mm-hmm. right by social media or that present day law they ought to be ostracized why they did something that um wasn't acceptable popularly acceptable so the the consequence right we being judge jury and executioner is to keep them out and ostracize them from any space that there isn't even any room for them to be redeemed to reflect to mm. be better yeah so she deserved counseling but what did jesus say <laughs> jesus said to them oh if you, the person that doesn't have a sin right she threw the first stone right and, the work, and many times when we cancel we're not introspecting right we feel like we're the best <laughs> yeah we feel like it can be us but listen it can be it can be you multiple times. The only difference is you maybe don't you maybe don't get caught. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Introspect a lot would not be quick to cancel someone. Mm-hmm. People make mistakes. I have made mistakes. Yeah. But I introspect when I hear a situation, everyone is being cancelled. I introspect. Mm. Be like, oh, that wasn't good. I mean, there's nothing wrong in speaking up and letting them know like that thing that you did was unacceptable but right. my re- my reaction is not to ostracize you it's to let you know that 
it's unacceptable and you can do better. I mean, the way we would ap um, approach this conversation is different from if the person is a believer or an unbeliever. If it's a believer, all I need to do is to remind them, don't you know who you are? Right, right. right. Like what Paul did to the people in the church in Corinth. He pointed mm. them back to identity. Yeah. I mean, they were doing questionable things, right? Somebody was sleeping with his father's wife. They yeah. They were taking them to court. They were being petty and fighting. And it was all shades of, oh my gosh, this is insane. Right. And what did Apostle Paul say when he wrote to them? He said, don't you know who you are? Mm. That means the better way of doing these things by the Spirit of God in you. Right. And an unbeliever, why would you cancel someone when they haven't even had a chance to receive the Holy Spirit? Mm. Because yeah. many times we measure good by actions. Right. But it, it really isn't so. It's the Spirit of God in us that helps us to do better. If you leave your flesh, sis, it is going to take you to the worst place that you thought you never could go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. You have the spirit of God. Like, day by day, I'm very sure you have some random thoughts. And you're like, what in the world is this thought? And why is he coming to my mind? Right. This is ungodly and unbiblical. I resist you, devil, because I know that is you. Mm -hmm. But the unbeliever doesn't have a way to say, I resist you, devil. Right. 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 <laughs> ways for us to look at this conversation but be that like after all is said and done if we are christians that is christ-like we follow in the pattern of who of what christ did for the woman caught in adultery another example is apostle peter mm -hmm. by every standard he ought to be cancelled i mean he denied jesus not once not twice not three times yeah you remember what Jesus said to him, right? He said, Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And even after he did that, right, he wasn't canceled. God didn't cancel. God didn't say, oh, you denied me. You're now unworthy to preach my message. Mm. We say in scripture that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. It's just absurd for believers to participate in something that doesn't align with their faith. Yeah. And I also like to add, like, because there are different aspects to it, right? Someone did, um, like, if someone committed a crime, a crime is a crime. Mm hmm. Like choosing to be gracious should not stand in the way of the court of law doing its thing. Yes. Yeah. If it's a crime, if someone abuses someone, it's a crime. Right. It should be reported. But our disposition towards the criminal that is going through the uh, the court of law, the system, right, should also be love and compassion. Mm. So my own take on cancel culture is not necessarily looking away when a crime is committed, right? Because we've heard stories of church too, right? Mm -hmm. People being abused in the church. Yeah. And people looking away because, oh, well, well we, do you understand? No, 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 no. That is a crime. Right. A crime should be reported. But while that person is going through court or whatever, let them still be reminded that God loves them. Yeah. And there is redemption in, in him. 
So it's, it's 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 very interesting. I could go on and on, but I'll just stop there for now. Yeah, now that is a very good point that you make. Um, it's the distinction, you know, like like you said, when you commit a crime, you still have to suffer the consequences according to the laws of the country that you committed the crime in. And, you know, just because you have a chance to be given grace and to be redeemed, it doesn't mean that those consequences go away, you know. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I love what you said was is that for the believer, it's, you know, giving grace and knowing who you are, like rekindling your identity in Christ. But for the unbeliever, when they get canceled, it's just like they get into a state of hopelessness. Like there's Mm -hmm. nothing to remind them of who they are because they do not have a found identity in Christ. And so I'm glad you made the distinction into the three main ways of like how cancel culture could affect someone. And, um, I really love those explanations because it's true. It's just, you know, you can be gracious to someone, but at the same time, you can also hold them accountable for their actions, especially if they are crimes and they're illegal and morally wrong, you know? So I thank you for that as well. And that brings me into my next question, because in your bio, you said well, I read that your focus on the gospel is the phrase, God is not angry with you. And I think that's so important when talking about cancel culture, because people need to know that, yes, you've done something wrong, but that doesn't mean that God is holding a grudge against you and that he's ostracizing you himself. So how does the idea that God is not mad at you apply to healing from cancel culture? Ooh, amazing. I like I, I really like how that question is phrased. I think it's just coming from that perspective that God is not counting out sins against us. Right. Whether you're a believer or not, right? The difference is that a believer has accepted this reality, has accepted it by faith, has put their faith in what Christ has done. Mm. Now does he help healing from cancel culture? It's knowing that when you're cancelled, there's someone you can turn to. Mm. And that's the person of Christ, right? It would never leave nor forsake you. It would never join the world to cancel you. It will bear you up. It will hold you up. In fact, it would it would help you become a more excellent version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Many times, right, people act out because they feel like, oh, I don't care about God. He's angry with what I'm doing. He's angry with maybe the fact that I have this bad habit or I'm doing something. And it's not necessarily God saying I am angry with you, right? It's man telling them like, oh, that thing you're doing, God is certainly angry with you. And many mm-hmm. times we see that very applicable for like sexual sins, right? Yeah. But more is about someone that is sinning sexually, God, God is angry with you. What about the person that is jealous or goes into fits of rage and anger? Mm, right mm-hmm. yeah. god god there's no big or small sin with god right god hated sin so much that he did something about it god mm. didn't just say oh my gosh i hate sin but i'm just gonna sit down and watch people suffer and languish <laughs> i right. hate sin so much i'm going to fix it yeah right i'm going to make a way for people to be free from sin and death 
he made that available with heated scriptures it in Micah. I will throw your sin into the sea of forgetfulness. Right? We see it all over scripture, over and over again, what God has done with the sin of man. And it's just man coming into that reality. And God has done something concerning your sin. Like that is the message of the gospel. Mm. Right, we see it in Psalm 32. It says, Blessed is the man, right? That God is, um, how did he, I'm trying to remember how to quote it verbatim, but it said, Blessed is the man to whom God will not impute sin on, right? Mm-hmm. There is no guilt. Happy is the one the Lord will not accuse of doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. So we see all of our scriptures, we see from the Old Testament to New Testament that he has thrown his sin, our sin behind his back. So it's just coming to that place of accepting what God has done. He hated sin so much that he fixed the problem. Mm-hmm. So when you come to him, right, you're coming to receive mercy and mm-hmm. grace and strength to go back and do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not of oh i'm just going to receive forgiveness and i'll just go back to keep repeating that cycle of um doing cancel worthy things and honestly with god right like there's like it's not like god is giving second chance or third chance or fourth chance of no 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 there are unlimited chances with god mm. as long as we are still here yeah on earth unlimited chances with him but it's knowing that even in receiving that love of God, His grace does something to you. It changes the way you think, right? I once, I posted on my Instagram story, I think it was two days ago, a very beautiful quote that I had seen. That many people think Christianity or living for God is about fighting to do all those things you love to do just to please God. Mm. Rather, like that is just a dead man's religion, but rather a Christian is someone that has received a new heart and a new spirit, and now their affections are different. Mm. Mm. Right? So it's knowing that in receiving that grace, in understanding that God is not mad at you, then you receive the enablement to do better, to be better. Like, it's so beautiful. The Bible says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For God is at work in you, but to will and to do of his good pleasure. So when you receive God, right, when you believe the God, when you believe the gospel, you receive the spirit of God, and that spirit in you is not working in you to do better. Mm. So... That place of understanding that God is not angry with you really changes your outlook, changes your mindset. So that when you mess up and the old world wants to cancel you, you're not buying into their condemnation. Mm. You're facing God and saying, God, I know you're not angry with me. You know, many times we feel like we can disappoint God. And I really like this song by um, Maverick City Music. A line says, I wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. Mm, right? In the yeah. We're not holding God up with our behavior. So when we mess up, we're like, oh my God, I let God down. No, 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 no. You can't let God down. Right. You're acting as doesn't know. But it's going back to him and saying, God, I know that what I have done is not okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm really leaning on you for strength 
to keep going to better. I know that you don't remember my sin. You're not counting it against me. I know man, it's in their nature to count sin against me and cancel me. That's just who man is. Man is being a man. But with you, there is love, there's grace, there's redemption, there's forgiveness, there's everything good and perfect. And I'm resting on you to get the strength to keep going to be better. And so if I've experienced being canceled, Tomorrow, when I see someone else being cancelled and I've received your love enough to be healed, I can stretch out my hand to them mm. and stretch out your love to them and give them a way of escape, a place of hope and a place of healing as well. So, yeah. Wow, that was powerful. And the, the thing that I want to touch on that you really made clear and which I really love is re- repentance, you know, because a lot of the times, especially in Christianity, we like to think that, okay, once we're saved, we get a clean slate and we're free to do whatever we want. And that's mm-hmm. not true. I mean, Paul said it. He was like, should we sin that grace may abound? So that's really saying like, no, we shouldn't. Like, just because we have been redeemed, we also have to change our lifestyle. We have to change from the old me into the new me. And even referencing John chapter 8, the story with the woman caught in adultery, like you mentioned earlier, Jesus said to her, he was like, go and sin no more. So that's really showing that repentance offers a kind of peace to actually transform your life and that is the beauty of the gospel where it's like the holy spirit indwelling in you makes that change he makes that way for you to be a better person and so i'm glad that you brought up redemption because that is something that we don't really think about as people you know we just like to throw people under the bus a lot but it's important Honestly, like when you, the thing is that many times is um, redemption, repentance get complicated, right? Mm. Repentance, the Greek word is metanoia, which really means to change your mind. Mm. That literally is change your mind. And also understanding that even this changing of your mind, remembering the scripture that I quoted, it's not also your work right is when you stay in that place of focusing solely on the gospel and um resting completely on what christ has done that in itself is what changes you right all you have because many times like the reason why i'm coming back to this is i don't want anyone listening to this going up with that mindset oh my gosh i have to work hard to yeah change because understanding that it's still that message that has saved you that will change you so your change your transformation is not a work of your own mm-hmm. but it's a work of the spirit of god within you all you got to do is change your mind oh you do something that you don't like oh i changed my mind about it i'm not i'm not gonna do this anymore right. and god will submit to your spirit right to help me i submit to your spirit to lead me i submit to your spirit in this so it's just i don't want us i don't want anyone to leave you feeling oh my god it's so complicated right do you and yeah never understanding that god has done the work in us what we do we rest in it and keep going back to him for strength to be better so yeah 
amazing. Yeah, that that's a really great point. Because a lot of the times we think we have to do something in order mm-hmm. to gain God's approval or gain God's love. But that's not the case. We're saved by grace through faith. All we need to do is have the faith in the work of Christ and he will do the transformation. So thank mm-hmm. you for that. Thank you. <laughs> And so uh, moving into just Christianity's attitude towards cancel culture as a whole, um, a lot of the times Christians can be, you know, a little bit more judgmental, especially if other Christians are the ones being canceled. And so we sometimes we, you know, put them on a pedestal, like let's say a pastor of a church, we put the pastor on the pedestal, then he does something that's very morally wrong, and we cancel him. And then we just go extra hard on the pastor, and we forget that he's human. So in light of this conversation so far, how should Christians respond to someone who has been canceled? Pray. Mm-hmm. When you feel tempted to say something, just pray for them. Mm-hmm. When you feel tempted to react, just pray. Like it's, you have to um, teach yourself and instruct yourself. Like, oh, I have so much to say, but I'm gonna pray. Mm-hmm. Because when you're praying for someone, it's hard for you to be using that same mouth to speak bad about them, right? Mm-hmm. Fresh, fresh water and salty water can't come out of the same fountain <laughs> yeah so when you feel like you're tempted to speak bad about this person because i mean they they, they they broke your trust or you had better expectations for them you pray for them because mm. once you buy into that place of condemning them you will <laughs> it, it's gonna become a very bad spiral yeah and i i was talking to one of my pastor friends very amazing guy or maybe he was telling me of a story of another pastor right that day is very amazing pastor that he really looked up to and trust and um, the story had broken out a scandal that he was cheating on his wife so he was so broken that day and um he went ahead and was just so sad and anyway so that day he himself was also a pastor he was at home and a single sister came like came visiting Mm. And just you know, for like fellowship or whatever, and they were like, okay, no problem. Um, one thing led to another. They slept together, mm. <laughs> and when he came to his realization, the Holy Spirit whispered in his ear and said, "Look at you. I don't condemn you, but you see how easy it was for you to fall, and you mm. see how horrible you feel in this moment." Mm. How much more the guy you spent hours speaking bad about because he fell. Mm. It can happen to anybody. But this is we take heed lest we fall. Yeah. It can happen to anybody. So rather than taking time to oh they did this and your please and your dad, pray for them. Pray from them honestly from your heart. Pray for their family. Pray for their children. Like there's so many things you can do. In the place of prayer, they'll be more productive yeah. than speaking negatively about them. The truth of the matter is that after all is said and done, there is still, therefore, no condemnation to them. Mm. So you can condemn them all you want, but God isn't condemning them. And you can't make him do that. So why don't you just align with 
God stands and perspective concerning that matter. So I'll say pray. When you feel them that, oh, they did this, oh, that could they, hey, la, ba, 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 and all the chatting and talking and the social media fingers and all of that, just pray for them. It's very hard to talk badly about the person you genuinely pray for. That's mm. my advice to Christians. It's, it's more productive. It's also helpful for you. And remember what I said earlier, people that don't introspect are fast to condemn people that make mistakes. Because when mm. you think about like, this can happen to me. Yeah. Right? Then mm. you'll be like, okay, maybe I should ease off on on the comments and the and the insults and the whatever people tend to say when someone makes a mistake. And yeah, so for sure. That's it. That's my, that's my take. Yeah, I agree with you. Because a lot of the times it's just like, where we're trying to throw stones in a glass house, you know, <laughs> like it's just you, you have to, instead of condemning someone for the things that they did, like you said, we all can fall, you know, nobody's above falling. The only person that's above falling is Jesus. And, exactly. and, you know, so it, we are all human. We all make mistakes and, you know, we just have to learn how to love each other. And what you said about prayer, it's very powerful because, you know, like you said, you can't be mad or you can't look on someone with disdain if you're praying for them. So that is something that's very important. And which leads into my additional question. We spoke about what Christians can do to respond. So what are some ways that a canceled person what steps can they take to start the path of redemption? I think, um, first of all, submitting themselves to God and biblical leadership. Mm. And I say that is because when you're going through a phase of being constant, isolated, and the enemy can creep in and mm. play with your mind. Yeah. Right? Like you can even get to that stage of feeling like I'm no longer needed in this world. I made this mistake. Everybody's mad at me. And the enemy will tell you lies. Mm. And that can significantly impact your uh, mental health. So also as a church, we create a safe space for those that messed up, right? If they're in leadership, we're going to relieve them of their duty at that point in time. Because it's a point, you know, it's very possible for you to be in ministry and not be um, being fed by the word. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing the feeding, but you yourself are not feeding. Right. So they can be removed of their ministerial duty and taken to that place of submission to the word. Mm. Submission to their pastor, submit to being trained by God's word through God's chosen leaders. Mm. Like, don't ostracize yourself from the church. Yeah. Stay, stay in that place. Go back. Like, sometimes we just need to be refreshed. Maybe have a retreat. Yes. Right? Be refreshed in God's words. Stay on it. Stay with it. Yeah. Open your mind to God's love. Receive it. It transforms you. Mm. It transforms you. So submitting yourself to God and biblical leadership, those that keep watch over you, your pastors, your shepherds, those are, like, I would say that's the first place. Because once you start there you're getting pointed to the word of god you're being reminded of your identity you're staying on his word things will begin to be revealed in your heart now you know 
that oh what i did was wrong you knew before but now you're reminded now you can put systems in place to reach out to the people you've hurt and atone right mm. apologize yeah yeah but that's don't run away from church gathering we as a church must make the space safe for them to be redeemed and not make it make them a public spectacle and using them as an example. No, no, no. Those things are not Christ-like. Mm, yeah. But giving them a safe space to go back in the word, go back to their first love, go back to Jesus without the distraction, without the audience, without mm. the noise, and just really focus on him, mm. rest on him yeah rest in his word be refreshed by it have a change in perspective let it help you change your mind mm. that will then influence every other thing you can do to be redeemed in the sight of people so yeah wow i really love that and it, what you were saying about the church being a safe haven for people mm. who have been canceled um, it reminds me of this quote that says, the church should be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for the saints. And that quote is, it just touched me when I read it because it's so true. Like Jesus said it himself. He said, I have come for the sick. He said, the healthy don't need a doctor. The sick do, you know? And he's like, I've come to seek and to save those that are lost. And, you know, part of the reason why I'm even doing this podcast and having these wonderful, powerful conversations with, you know, people like you is because I want the church to be that safe haven. I want the church to step away from condemnation and just walk into grace and love and just embrace the people that need the help that they need. Now, I'm not saying that the church should be like, you know, a mental health clinic or, you know, like be professional counselors or anything, but we have something better than a counseling license. We have the love of Christ. We have the transformational power of the gospel and that can change so many lives. And so I really appreciate what you said about the church. It's just like, it's supposed to be a place where you feel rejuvenated. It's supposed to be a place where you feel like you can be at peace, where your mistakes don't define you, where your past is not indicative of your character. And I just love that. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I like the fact that you said like the expectation of the church to become a mental health clinic is not it, but be a place of love, right? If you know someone that is going through mental health struggles stretch out the arm of love let them know that they are cared for mm -hmm. let them know that they're not alone mm -hmm. um they're not like even in the conversations that we have right a lot of times um as a pastor like also being cognizant of, of things you say about mental health issues right yeah depression anxiety like a lot of people are going through these things right letting them know like there's healing for you just like there is healing for your body, your mind is not off off limits to God. God wants to heal you completely and not attaching any form of stigma or shame. And yeah, I mean, like just all that you said, I, I really love that. Thank you. Yeah. So, Bibi, it was so great 
having you on the podcast today. And I just have one final question for you. So Uh what are some words of encouragement that you have for those who are struggling with mental health, cancel culture, and relationships? God is not angry with you. Mm. If you want to write that down on a sticky note and stick it on your mirror or your wall on your computer that when you open it you see it all the time and you mutter it to yourself God is not angry with you mm. those simple words I've seen it have breakthrough in the life of people right I've seen a story of someone that was addicted was a chain smoker going through three four packs of cigarettes a day mm. and they started telling themselves as they took a puff God is not angry at me and the more they said it the more the desires left wow. so if you want to keep repeating it to yourself God is not angry at me God is not angry at me God is not angry at me Just keep saying it over and over and over and over again there's power in it. Mm. There's power in those words because of what it carries. It carries a message that is contrary to what the world says. It carries a message of hope, of healing, of redemption, of love. It carries a message that makes you to understand that there is no point that God would change, right? The Bible says that the God is light. In him, there is no darkness. There is no shadow of turning with him is consistent so if he loves you today he loves you tomorrow if he's not angry with you today he's not angry with you tomorrow mm. so stay on that message stay on that message let it in let it inform your thought process let it inform everything concerning you so print it out if you want to design it on canva print it out on your printer have it put it in a frame in your bedroom in your bathroom, keep saying it. God is not angry at me. And if you're interested in talking more about this, you can always reach out to me via email DMs. I think um, Sarah will post my contact just to remind you, God is not angry with you. It's powerful. There's power in it. So that would be my best word of affirmation or encouragement. And the other thing is to remember that you're a work in progress. God is not a God of second chances. <laughs> He's a God of a trillion as much as you need. Mm. If you mess up today, stand up and keep going. Don't wallow in self-pity. Don't wallow in shame and guilt. All of that was taken away from you. There is no shame. There is no guilt in this life for you. So don't stay there. Don't stay in that place of, oh my gosh, I messed up again. How can I ever get up? But get up and say, I am free. Yeah. I have the ability to keep going. So be patient with yourself. A lot of us don't know how to be patient with ourselves. We want we want to be something overnight. But no, 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 no. Go stay with the process. Mm. Stay with it. It, it's a process god god is not saying oh i'm giving you one last chance if you mess it up again this time i will leave you no 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 he said in his word i would never leave you nor forsake you when you go through fire i will be with you when you pass through waters i will be with you i am your god mm. so just know that he's not leaving you is never and he is so committed to you. Oh my gosh, you have no idea how committed this God is to you. So don't put pressure on yourself like I need to get my life together now unless God. No, 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 no. 
your work in progress. Stay with the stay with the journey. You will look back two years and be like, wow, God really was with me and he has brought me this far. Mm. So important for us to like just just stay there, stay 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 with with that reality. You're a work in progress, and that's okay. Mm. That's okay. No one has it all figured out together. Some of us may look like we do, but honestly, nobody does. <laughs> so there's no pressure. Um, yeah, keep at it. Just be committed to growing and experiencing progress on every side, and God is with you at all times. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Bibi, for joining me on the podcast. And as she said, her contacts will be in the show notes. And if you want more at Rough Edges, stay tuned. And every Tuesday we have new episodes. So stay tuned for more empowering episodes on Rough Edges. Thank you for listening to Rough Edges. This podcast is available on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and more. For more updates on the Rough Edges podcast, please follow on Instagram at rough.edges.podcast. You can also visit the official podcast website at www.roughedgespodcast.com. If you have any questions or further suggestions for how this podcast can grow, please email at rough.edges.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful day.